Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine. I ride the MBTA's red line frequently, and last week I got a bit of a surprise. Most days, the red line is pretty empty. It's easy for passengers to spread out and socially distance. But on this particular train at that particular time, the car I was riding in was crowded. It wasn't crowded by pre-COVID T standards when it was not unusual to be packed in like sardines, but it was crowded by today's standards. People were sitting with one seat separating them, and many people were standing in the middle of the car in front of the sitting passengers. The passengers were wearing masks and being respectful of one another, but it still felt a bit odd. I wasn't sure if riding the car at that time was a good idea. As the state's economy continues to reopen and people start moving around more and more, these are the type of questions people will be asking themselves: Is it safe to ride the T? How close should I be standing or sitting next to other passengers? Let's start the conversation with Will Malloy of Dorchester. Will, were you a frequent T rider before the pandemic, and, and sort of what's your status now? Yeah, I took the T every day for work. Um, so I took it from uh, the JFK stop to North Quincy. So I would do that twice a day. And then on the weekends, I would use it to go into the city sometimes. So I was a, a fairly frequent rider. And how about after the pandemic hit us? Um, I haven't taken it since probably April. I used it occasionally to go to friends' houses when um, like the amount of Ubers, when there were no Ubers in the city. But now Uber and Lyft is kind of back up, so I haven't used it very often. And why is that? Um, it just hasn't really been a convenient way to get around. It's, it's not because I feel unsafe on the T. Like I said, um, I haven't rode the T since April, and at that point, there was really no one on it. So I didn't even really think it would be unsafe to take the T right now. Well, so if you were to, um, if you don't think it's unsafe, is it primarily because you're not going to work every day that you're not using it? Or when you're out just going around town, it's not as convenient. You, you feel that way? I guess I'm, I'm trying to get at, are you concerned at all about the tea as you know, people return to it in some numbers? I definitely would go back um would use a T more if I were to be required to go to work every day. Um, that is like how I got to work before and that's how I would get to work again. I don't have a car right now. I'm not taking it because I just find there's more convenient ways to get around the city, like blue bike or an Uber, just riding with a friend. Um, I, I think that if people, if more people do start to take the T, I wouldn't really feel threatened to take it um but i don't know i have to see it for myself to see i guess if i if i would be nervous now you probably remember um pre-pandemic there were times when you could get on the tee and it's everybody's crammed in almost like sardines you're very close to everybody uh that is not the case today there's there's relatively comparatively speaking relatively few people riding the tee uh, but how, you know, given social situations now, how much space do you feel comfortable if you were to return to riding the T? How much space between you and some stranger, assuming they're wearing a mask, how much space would you like to see between the two of you if you were returning to ride on the T? 
I think having at least one seat in between us, I'd feel comfortable. That's about how much room I'm apart from other people at like the gym. And I feel pretty comfortable. Scientifically, maybe that's not the best answer, but I don't know. Now let me bring in two other guests, Caitlin Allen Connolly of the business group, A Better City, which has done some interesting research on the T's safety protocols and its social distancing efforts. And James Aloisi, a former secretary of transportation who serves on the board of Transit Matters. Jim, we talked after I wrote that article last week about my experience on the T and you thought I was overreacting a bit. You still feel that way? Yeah, I, I, it was a mild overreaction, Bruce. Um, but, you know, I, I thought that the, your post, your article, um, might have given people an impression that they should be fearful of a situation that I don't think is any more or less risky than any of the other activities that people do normally all the time. So, you know, if you're going grocery shopping at Stop and Shop or Market Basket or Shaw's or wherever it is, uh, Whole Foods, and you're, you know, you're spending a half hour, 45 minutes, or even longer shopping for food every now and then, that's no more or less risky than, you know, being on the red line for three stops. As long as the circumstances are as we, as you described, right? So you described a circumstance where everyone was wearing a mask, and that's exactly the circumstance that you would like to see. You described a circumstance where there was, in your term, more crowding than you had been used to. But in fact, there seemed to be reasonable distance between and among people. And here's the important part, and the train didn't break down, right? And so if you think about the four factors that you need to keep in mind that help reduce viral risk, it's time, how long are you? spending in a certain place, plus proximity, how close are you to people, plus protection, is everyone wearing a mask, and what kind of mask, plus ventilation, how well ventilated is the place. So if you look at those four factors, it struck me that, in fact, your experience was pretty good, keeping in mind that in the time in which we're living, as soon as you leave the house, you are at some risk. There is no such thing as leaving your home to a zero risk environment in the middle of a pandemic, whether that's grocery shopping, whether that's jogging, whether that's uh, walking down the street to get uh, uh, a newspaper, whether it, people don't do that anymore, I guess it's all online. But, um, you know, whatever the activity is, we're not, there is no such thing in this moment as a zero risk environment. So the the, the, the trick is, the, the objective is to manage our lives with the lowest risk possible. And so I felt like your reaction to what appeared to be a fairly low risk environment was a little bit over the top, but don't take that personally. <laughs> Caitlin, what's your reaction? Uh, I think, you know, I think the Secretary Aluzi and I uh, agree on some points and dis disagree on, on some others. I, I agree. Uh, people shouldn't be afraid of public transportation. The MBTA um, is really emerging as a leader in terms of what they're doing with respect to mitigating um, the impacts of COVID-19, in particular with respect to disinfection 
and cleaning. They, um, they are also have a crowding app that they put in place to help riders identify you know, that whether or not the, the buses at least are, are, are going to be crowded. Um, I think, you know, as, as uh, the secretary mentioned, there are several different factors that influence whether or not um, your risk is elevated or not in terms of transmission. Um, he mentioned crowding, sort of the number of people. He mentioned ventilation, trip duration, um, and sort of the use of PPP. So I would say I would add a few others to that. I would, I would say obviously your age and, and health um, of the rider are important um, as well as the sort of the type of station. So if you're on the red line and you're getting on the, in a, in, on an indoor station, um, you have a slightly elevated risk. But uh, I agree with the secretary that everybody needs to come, uh, come to the MBT and to public transit with uh, a mask, with hand sanitizer and the question for me as to whether or not, um, you know, was this an anomaly or not? The MBTA is running a rapid transit service right now, they say on a regular service, whether or not that's regular service at a peak time or not, I think um, is, a, is a question um, that we need to ask in terms of whether or not the system is actually starting to get to capacity and um, as to whether or not there's enough public outreach and community outreach uh, to riders to actually inform them. I know the T has on their website and, and on LinkedIn and other things um, makes reference to if you feel like the vehicle is crowded, feel free to go on to another, uh, into another train. So um, if, if, if the vehicles are starting to get crowded, I think perhaps it might be a time for there to be some ambassadors or more ambassadors are in the station, making sure that people have an understanding of what the crowding standards are, which as you rightly mentioned are different. We went from um, on the red line today, a uh, train is considered uh, crowded at 66 people in a vehicle as before it was roughly 166, so roughly 40% of the peak load now. So um, getting that information out to riders, I, I, I think will be important. I would say um, it's riding public transportation if you're on it for three stations, you know, relatively, um, rel you know, in this day and time, not so dangerous, but the average commuting time uh, for um, people in this area is around 29 minutes um, and in sort of transit dependent or low income communities, um, those commutes can actually be up to an hour. So when you have people who are on the transit system for a longer period of time, it's, it's really then again where we have um, the need to make sure that people have masks available to them, that the T is providing them if they don't have them and uh, creating as much distance as we possibly can um, in the system. I think there's also a fundamental difference between subway and bus. And, you know, the, the, the big issue that I I'm concerned about on subway is if, if the subway car that you're riding on breaks down. Because if the car breaks down, it's probably the case that the ventilation system stops working. And that's a problem. Now, I don't know of any incident where that's happened in the recent past, but we know before COVID, breakdowns were unfortunately commonplace. Um, that's, a, that's an issue that I can't resolve in my head. And so the importance of good ventilation, both air exchange, which means fresh air coming in, and air filtration, which, you know, viral particles being captured by a really good HEPA or 
better than HEPA filtration system is really crucial. That's crucial whether you're on a bus or a train, but it's easier to manage in the context of a bus. Bus windows usually open. Um, if the bus breaks down, you can get out. Um, subway's a little trickier. And so um, we've just got to recognize in connection with the topic of risk that, um, you know, the worst situation, even if there's only a couple of people in a subway car, is if the subway car somehow breaks down, right? So that's where the maintenance of these of this of the system really needs to excel um, in order to prevent those kinds of things from happening. So um, let me ask you both. Um, one thing that struck me, uh, Caitlin, you pointed out that uh, as incredible as it sounds now, uh, a red line car is used to be considered crowded when 161 people, I think around that number were are on it. And now uh, under the T's new crowding standards, it's considered crowded at 66 uh, people. But that is using a World Health Organization standard of three feet. Uh, if you use the Centers for Disease Control standard as six feet, uh, I think it's, um, it's 21 on a red line car. That's correct. Uh, I was curious, uh, that's according to ABC research. I was just curious uh, because every, I mean, I, I think at schools now, there's been a talk of maybe going to three feet between desks as students return, but everything else we hear from the governor on down is six feet, six feet, six feet. Uh, how concerned should me, how, should, how concerned should I be or other writers about suddenly that, that space is being condensed to three from six? Caitlin? So I think if you look at the best practices uh, across the world, many systems have adopted the three feet um, as opposed to six feet. Um, there are some um, some transit agencies like the Chicago CTA that um, has uh, six feet as their their distance. There's also others that just suggested. So you know I, I have asked myself that question as well. I think. If, if people also follow the right protocol on public transportation where and, and in the use of just three feet um, where they have their masks on, where they have, again, their hand sanitizer, where people are not eating or drinking or, or talking, um, I think that the, the relative risk um, obviously is lower. Um, you know, I think six feet is, um, you know, the, dis the difference between 21 and 60 is, is quite, quite a large number. Um, and I believe that there's evidence um, recently to show that um, the sort of the amount of distance um, really varies depending on what you're doing. Um, and so I think that there is, there is a trend towards thinking that the three feet on the public transportation is, is acceptable. I think one thing that would, um, help the MBTA become even more of a leader, if you will, on this front. There are many other transit agencies that have put in decals and markers on the vehicles and in stations. And I think um, I applaud the MBTA for their crowding app. Um, I applaud them for the outreach that they have been doing. I And I also believe that they need to do more and reach out to communities in different languages and using different media outlets to make sure that the people who are using the system today 
understand that, but also putting in the decals in the stations and the markers will be a visual reminder to people to spread out and, and, and to distance um, and, and to create that space for people, I think will be um, helpful as we move forward and as more people re more return to, to, the, to the workplace and, and also continuing that conversation with the business community around when are people coming back and how can we stagger those hours to create again more distance. Uh, Jim, just asking from your general knowledge, mm -hmm. what do you think people are thinking today? I, mean, I remember when we were in the height of the, you know, the surge in, in April and May, uh, that there was um, that there was a sort of feeling like the tea was icky. I, I don't want to go in there, um, and you know they didn't want to touch anything. Now that's sort of eased off a little bit as we've learned more about the coronavirus and you know it's it's sticking to surfaces and what have you. But what do you think right now? What what is your sense of the general public about? you know, is the tea safe or not? Do you think most people think it is or most people are uncertain? I don't know the answer to that. I suspect that people have been um, concerned about public transportation simply because of its prior reputation. As you point out, you know, there's none of us, you know, who were frequent users of the tea and loved the tea who could say, oh, the tea is spotless. You know, it's like, no, it wasn't these impressions of cleanliness and hygiene carry over. And so, of course, there's a perception. Um, and I, you know, as someone uh, who pre-pandemic used the tea daily and many times a day, um, uh, during the winter months, I would, uh, even, even fall and spring, I would normally wear gloves on the tea because I was concerned about, I wasn't concerned about COVID, I was concerned about other catching a cold or whatever. Um, that was just me. So, but the impression was always, it's not the cleanest place. Now the tea's done a heck of a good job dealing with issues like cleanliness. I mean, they've, they've gotten that, but it's difficult to change those public perceptions overnight. It just is. And, you know, the difference between people uh, going into a supermarket or the tea is an obvious one. You know, you need to eat, you need food. You don't necessarily need the tea. Some people do, some people do, but not everyone. So I get those differences. But I think if we're going to return to a time gradually where we don't paint ourselves into a corner of chronic traffic congestion and an unsustainable system, and by the way, a system that keeps polluting the air to the point where we're more and more vulnerable to viral disease and lung disease, right? If we're not going to paint ourselves in that corner, we've got to gradually find a way to get people more and more comfortable with riding public transportation. A lot of that is on the T, not all of it, but a lot of it. A lot of it is on the rider. Everyone needs to wear a mask. I personally think the T could be a lot more aggressive promoting mask wearing, uh, handing out masks at every key bus stop, for example, um, Observationally, people seem to be wearing masks, so that's a, that's a good thing, but it needs to be 100%. So that's something that I think I'd like to see a little bit more aggressive attempts um, to get people to wear masks, we hand them out if they don't have them, and do better promotional uh, work on it. I like the Ride Saver uh, Safer campaign. We could do more 
Uh, I also think um, in terms of crowding, and this is particularly true of the bus, you know, more frequent service is a big deal. And I think that the T needs to be, again, more aggressive working with municipalities to carve out dedicated bus lanes. It's happening incrementally in places, but not nearly enough, in my opinion, to, to help get more frequent bus service, uh, more frequencies is better capacity and less congestion, and we should be moving in that direction on a permanent basis. So, you know, it's gonna take some time. Um, we're, we're gonna face a fall where I unfortunately believe we're gonna have a couple of spikes everywhere nationally. I mean, if you just think about what Thanksgiving is going to be like, when people will feel, uh, especially in places in, in the Northeast where it gets cold and everything is indoors now, and people will want the camaraderie of Thanksgiving. And, you know, you can just imagine that we're all going to be, have to be really careful, both in events like that and then for the next 14 days, right? So we should expect that the fall and the winter are going to be rocky, just are. Uh, and it, that gives us time to work out the kinds of things that we're talking about in this podcast. It gives the T time to work them out and improve them and make things better. I just wanted to jump on what, oh, sorry, what you said. I really feel like the notion that we need to adopt here is the notion that it's a shared responsibility. The T is doing their part. They're cleaning. They're making the system as safe as possible. They're trying to be agile. They are, you know, in some ways doing the best they can. And, and again, my research shows that um, they are continuing to become, um, you know, more and more of a leader on this front. But the writer also has a shared responsibility to learn how to use the crowding app, to wear a mask, to to do the things that they need to do to also share in this responsibility. I, and I also think that the T, um, you know, has a role to play right now, um, as uh, Jim was saying, so the buses are, are, they're still running crowded and my sort of snapshot every day of looking at it is that there may be a disconnect between the people who are riding the bus system today and who are using the crowding app. They may not necessarily be utilizing it. It may be a tool that people in the future are going to be using and the system really needs to be safe today for the essential workers and people shouldn't have to choose between access and safety. So I think the T has a little bit more work to do in terms of outreaching to the communities who are riding today, whether it be on the bus or beyond public transportation. Um, I think it's very, very important. And, you know, like the secretary said, if you're, if you're sick, stay home. You know, when you, when you get, everybody sort of has to sort of self-check and, and, and do their part so that people can have access to public transportation. I know I'm reliant on public transportation and, you know, I want to do my part to make sure that when I get on there, I'm making it safe for me, but also for the riders who are around me. And I think, I think it's incredibly important, that notion of shared responsibility. So one last very quick question and answer for the two of you. Uh, how, how often are you both writing the T today? Uh, are you back to normal or do you use it just occasionally? Caitlin, why don't you, you said you're a, you're a user of the T. I, so I'm, I have um, a very good uh, boss and organization and we've been teleworking. So I have not had to use uh, public transportation. I take the commuter rail. Um, but when we do go back, that will be the the mode that I, that I have to use. And um, so I, I have been, 
fortunate, I guess, in a way to, n to not have to get on public transit. But I, but I would get on the commuter rail today if, if I needed to, and I would do so with confidence. Jim? Um, yeah, Bruce, I don't use the T much these days. I've had um, sort of some personal health issues, not, not COVID-related, that have um, sort of compelled me to be a little bit more careful about where I go and what I do. And so I haven't. But I can honestly say, um, God, do I miss it. Gosh, do I miss it. And, um, you know, I know some people think, oh, that, boy, Luis is wacky. He mix, misses the tea every day. But, you know, it was part of my life. Uh, and it will be part of my life again. Uh, and I miss it a great deal. But, and I'm looking forward to the time when I personally can return to it and maybe even participate in a, a marketing program for the T to show that, that this is the way to go. Because it is, our future depends on it. And Absolutely. we've got to figure out how to use the next period of time to, to improve and get things right um, and, um, and to support the T and what it does and to encourage the T and the cities and towns to work with the T to to, to push the envelope on more frequency, dedicated bus lanes, the kinds of things that should be happening that would encourage people to be more confident when they get on a bus, for example. Thanks to our guests, Caitlin Allen Connolly of the business group of Better City and James Aloisi, a former secretary of transportation who serves on the board of Transit Matters. And to our listeners, we'll see you next week.